quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. Hello, this is Mike Frost. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing life insurance. Who needs it? How much you need? What type you might need? Etc. But first of all, let's welcome to the podcast, Matt, our senior VP. Matt, you doing all right this morning? I'm great. Yep, excited for this topic. Today. All right. And Matt is a resident expert on all things on insurance, including life insurance. And of course, we've got Natalie, our producer and marketing director. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning. Always happy to be here. Fantastic. Natalie makes us look good on this podcast. All right, folks, life insurance. Why do we want to talk about life insurance? Well, as we all know, COVID-19 has been attacking the country. We've had over 200,000 Americans have lost their lives due to COVID-19. And so there's a lot of folks now saying, well, you know what? I might need to go get some life insurance. And so we want to cover that today and talk about all the topics around there. I mean, every client that we've had here in the last several weeks have brought it up. It comes up in family discussions, on dinner conversations, and you've probably talked about it as well. So our goal today will be to demystify and clarify all things related to life insurance. And no better person to do that than our resident expert, Matt Walters. All right, Matt, let's start off with a question. Why would anyone need life insurance? Yeah, great question. So like any type of insurance, I mean, the goal of of having insurance is to offload risk of something catastrophic, you know, happening, right? So if you, you insure your home, you're offloading the risk and sharing the risk with the insurance company in case something were to happen to your home with a fire hazard. You need life insurance because you can't, the, the most basic need of it is because you can't bear the risk of something happening to you. Your family can't financially if if you were to pass away, right? You need someone else to share in that risk with you. So you're, you're going to go purchase this life insurance from the insurance company so that if something happens to you, now they're at, they're on the hook for making up that financial loss so that your family's okay. That's kind of the most basic need and reason why someone would want to buy life insurance. So Matt, we'll take you as an example. Here you are, a father of three children. Your wife's a stay-at-home mom now. And, and if you were to lose, if you were to die tomorrow in a car accident or whatever, and you didn't have life insurance she would have nothing to replace your income. So you'd leave her a single mother of three with no future income. Right, exactly. So that's what we're looking to do with basically in in that portion of life insurance is an income replacement tool. And so Matt, so if we need to replace your income, how much does someone need to buy? Yeah, it's, there's a a standard approach, you know, Dave Ramsey, we're we're pretty big fans of Dave Ramsey and most of the things that he gets into and you know, he talks about like 10 times your income. And I think that's a good place to start. It is somewhat difficult to just tell everybody the same thing because it does depend on, you know, how much do you have in savings? How much debt do you have? Right. How old are you? So it, it's going to depend. There's a way to calculate your, it's called a death, death benefit needs analysis. And there's a way to calculate, well, how much insurance do you need if you passed away today? And right, and ideally, if you're saving and debts going down and those things, then that that number changes over time. But we're not worried about what your death benefit need is in ten years, right? We're trying to take care of the need today. So 
10 times your income is a great place to start. If you have that, then you probably have somewhere in the ballpark of what you need. But it's always good to have a conversation with an advisor and actually calculate that number to see what that what that is. So going back to the Dave Ramsey uh, comment, uh, have taught at Financial Peace University for 15 years. What Dave is saying, you need 10 to 12 times your salary. So if you were to pass away, uh, let's take Matt, for instance. We're, we're going to make up some numbers here. Let's say Matt makes $100,000 a year. So 10 times that would be a million. If, if he dies tomorrow, we take that million dollars. We invest it. If it makes 10% per year, that's 100000 We just replaced his income. And so if you want to take it up to 12%, then you only need to make 8% and you get the numbers. So that 10 to 12% is a rule of thumb. But like Matt said, we can do a complete analysis to know exactly how much you need. Okay, Matt, there's a couple other reasons people would buy life insurance. It may not be to replace income. What would that be for? Yeah, so there's a lot of, there's different types of insurance, which we're going to get into here for in a second. But um, if you have, you know, certain um, legacy goals, leaving a foundation or your children amount, a certain amount of money um, down the road when, when you've gone on and passed, you know, life insurance can come into play there. Life insurance can be a part of a retirement income plan, depending on certain, you know, situations and how much risk someone wants to take. Um that it can also be used to generate income in the future. If you're expecting a, an inheritance or if you have like a really large estate that's going to have a big estate tax bill due at some point, that can be a good place to implement some life insurance planning. So really, there's a lot of different ways life insurance can be used. Most people just like we were talked about a minute ago, just need it for the income replacement. I mean, that takes care of a vast majority of people. But there are a lot of situations uh, for extremely high net worth or high, really high income earners um, that there are other needs and things that it can be used for. There's one other that we often look at here, people that have a pension Yes, and they have the option of taking a higher amount per month. If they take the pension only on themselves or taking a smaller amount, if they include their spouse, well, you could possibly use insurance to offset that depending on what the difference would be between those two numbers. So there's another avenue that right. we could use. Life so let insurance. me t let me give an example because that is a really common one that we see. So if someone has a pension and they choose the choose the option to um, have that pension paid out on their life only, so when they pass away, it stops. So their spouse would not continue to receive it. And let's say that option is two thousand dollars a month is what the pension would be. Now they also have the option to start that pension as a joint life meaning it would pay out for both them and their spouse's lifetime. But if they choose that option, it's only going to pay them $1,500 a month. So there's a $500 per month difference. Well, if we can go out and buy insurance on the pen, the person who owns that pension and get enough insurance to cover that $500 per month gap and pay less than $500 per month for it, let's say $200 a month, right? Then we can... We can it allows us to choose the $2,000 pension, only pay $200 worth of insurance, but we've taken care of the risk of, well, if something now happens to the person who owns that pension, right, they can. So there, that's just an example. It's, we see that quite a bit. And if, you, if you're finding yourself in that situation, definitely reach out to somebody and, and talk to them. It's very important that you do that analysis before you choose which one of those you're going to take on that pension. Because once you pick it, you've chosen it. 
for good. Okay, so we can we use it for income replacement. We use it to pay potentially inheritance taxes, and we can do some legacy planning, and we can also use it to uh, uh, augment a pension. So several topics there, te- several ways of using life insurance. I don't know why they call it life insurance, Matt. It's really death insurance. <laughs> okay, all right, so advantages of life insurance. Why? Okay, we talked about income replacement. All right. Um, how we can use it in for maybe retirement or offsetting inheritance taxes, and we did it for doing pension. But what's one of the key things about uh, if you were to receive a life insurance uh, policy, if you were to be the one that received the benefit of it, what's one of the big benefits of that, Matt? Yeah, so it has huge tax advantages to uh, it because it is life insurance. It's uh, any death benefit proceeds that someone receives, it's going to be tax free. Tax free. Wow. Yeah. And there's in, in some of the other examples I mentioned a minute ago with, uh, you know, someone with a larger state, higher income earner wanting to put some money into a, in a more permanent life insurance, even those types of policies, just looking at from a tax perspective, offer some unique tax advantages because it's life insurance that you can't find in some other, you know, investment option. So if you're in that situation, you're looking for ways to put money away and, and protect it from taxes so you can leave your heirs, life insurance could be a potential option for you. Uh, and also, Matt, I mean, it's a small investment per se on what you could potentially get as far as a return. Of course, you wouldn't get it. You'd be gone. But the your recipients, your beneficiaries could really inherit quite a large sum of money based off a small investment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they depending on what type of insurance and all that stuff is, it's it's not necessarily going to cost you a whole lot of money out of pocket if we get a decent rating from the insurance company. And so um, if you get it when you need it, which is when you're young and healthy and lock it in, then it, it makes a ton of sense. And it, it could be the best financial decision you ever made if uh, you know something unfortunate happened. Matt, you brought the buying, getting it when you're young and healthy. That's always the best. It's going to be the most economical for you. Uh, but does that mean you're locked into paying those premiums for the rest of your life or for the term of the insurance? Yeah, it just de- depends. No, a good thing about life insurance is you can always cancel it, right? Just like your car insurance. You could drop it at any point and go replace it or um, any type of insurance. You're not really locked into it for the most part. So term insurance, if you go by a 20-year term, you have not signed on the dotted line that you have to pay premiums for the next 20 years. If we want to stop it in five years, then we can do that. And the same thing with whole life. We're going to define these terms, but it doesn't mean you pay on your whole life if you don't want to. Right. It binds the insurance company. They're bound to provide you that insurance, but you don't necessarily have to continue it if you don't want it anymore. Okay. So we've talked about whole life and term. We brought those up. So let's define what those terms mean. So whole life. Matt, what are some key components of whole life life insurance. So whole life, the way I actually like to look at it is permanent life. Because if you have permanent life insurance, there's a, there's a couple different options there. So um, what that means is it's just, it's contractually um, bound by the insurance company, typically through age 100 or 121, depending on the product and the company. But it's, it's guaranteed for your whole life. And um, then within the permanent life insurance options, then you have policies that are called whole life or maybe index universal life, universal life, variable. So within that permanent life insurance umbrella, you have multiple options. These are the policies that you're typically not just buying for income replacement. If you're buying one of these, you're typically using it or utilizing it for 
for other reasons other than just, hey, if something happened to me, my wife would need X amount to replace my income. Because if that's your only need, there are much more affordable options with like term insurance. And so whole life, uh, it is for your whole life. And like Matt said, you're really doing it for some planning purposes for either legacy planning, uh, retirement planning, things like that. And, and it, it is more expensive than term life. And that's what we're going to talk about next. So we got a whole life. It's for your, it's a permanent insurance, as Matt said. So term life insurance, what is that? Yeah. Term life insurance is like you're renting life insurance for a period of time and it'll expire at some point in the future. So typically the most common terms you see are like 10, 15 and 20 year term policies. They're shorter, they're longer, but you're just going to pay a fixed premium for a specified period of time. And if something happens to you within that window, that 10, 15, 20 year period, the life insurance company will pay out the tax free death benefit to whoever your beneficiaries are. The, um, what, what's, you have to keep in mind, though, is since it's a defined period of time, the insurance company, obviously, they've done their analysis. They've looked at your medical records. They've, you've done a physical, an exam, all of those types of things. They would not take that risk if they expected you to die within that period of time, right? There's, there's a reason you can buy half a million dollars of coverage for 50 bucks a month because they, statistically speaking, based on probability analysis and their underwriting models, they know that the, the chance of you passing away in that time frame is actually re really small. So keep that in mind. It's not like we're buying this with the expectation we're going to need it. We're buying it because even if it's a 0.1% chance it could happen, if it happens, it would ruin everything you know financially for our families. Like you said earlier, you're transferring the risk of your death to someone else. You're basically betting you're going to die and the insurance company's betting you're not and they've got the numbers on their side. But the right. chance that it could happen... You want to be covered. Yeah. So we, we talked about whole life. We've talked about term. Just give you a kind of a perspective on what, what some of the numbers are. We've got uh, Natalie sitting here as our producer. We're going to pick on her. She's not quite 30. She's getting close. And if we, would, we were to get her a million-dollar policy, a million-dollar policy on Natalie, and we're going to do it for 30 years since she's starting out. She has a young son. million dollars. If she bought a whole life policy, and these are average numbers, a whole life policy for a million dollars, an annual premium would be about $7,400, $7,400 annually. She could get a 30-year term life policy for $500 a year. Huge difference, $7,400 for a whole life or $525 for a 30-year term. Yeah, yeah. so if in, in that situation, if Natalie... If her sole purpose is income replacement, then it's a no-brainer, right? Because why would we pay seventy-five hundred for the for the insurance when we could pay five hundred for it? So if there's no other factors that's coming into play here, no other type of planning that needs to be done, and it's just income replacement, then the thirty-year term or twenty-year term or however long she might need it would by you know by far and away be the best option for for Natalie. So for the lion's share of people listening to this, the term life insurance is probably where you want to go. Now, if you're that small section that has, hey, I want to do some legacy planning, then whole life would be for you. But now you see the difference. So, so Matt, if we're going to have the same amount of insurance, we got a million dollars total, we're going to pay $7,400 for one, $500 for the other. What's happening with all that extra money we're paying for the whole life insurance? Yeah. So this, 
This is actually really difficult to answer because it's so comp it's so complex and it can look so many different ways. So there there are different types of permanent insurance. You have whole life, uh, universal life, different types of universal life, um, and so it does depend on what type of product you have and how it was structured. I can't tell you how many times I've seen permanent life insurance that could have been a good product for somebody that was just set up wrong from day one that that was sold at, at a level that was to generate the highest commission for the agent and not to strip out costs and maximize it for the client and those types of things. So it ends up maybe not being a very good product at all where it could have been on the front end. So anyways, going back to just the where the, where all that extra money is going, the, those extra funds are being invested. And depending on if it's if it's truly whole life or if it's a universal life or index universal life, that could that could mean a couple different things. If it's if it's index universal life or variable life, you're actually participating in some what's going on with the market in a roundabout way. If it's true whole life, that money is just being invested by the insurance company's general loan, uh, general investment portfolio, and then they're paying dividends and investment performance out of that to your policy. So you're not directly your performance is not tied to market performance directly. But those, albeit the they're being invested, those funds are being invested. So what it typically looks like is if you pay a $7,500 premium for the year. Some of that's just strictly going to pay commissions, life insurance costs, all of those things. But let's say half of it goes to the investment account. So maybe you have three or 4,000 of that 7,500 that goes into the investment account that builds and grows over time. And it leads to what you, what we call cash value inside the life insurance policy. Speaking of cash value, Matt, uh, isn't it true in a, let's take this million dollar policy here and let's say that Natalie does buy it. And now we're 20 years down the road and she's got $200,000 of cash value. Natalie could borrow that money out of there. Correct. Right. If she borrowed that money out of that million dollar policy and then she passed away, how much will the insurance company pay her? So the insurance company is going to pay her again. It depends. But most of the time, the insurance company is going to pay her the death benefit minus the amount that she had borrowed out. There are what ways that can be structured in policies that it um, wouldn't necessarily be that that way, but that's typically how that would look. And, and I find that often people don't realize that if they borrowed money out of a life insurance policy, they think they still have the death benefit stays intact. Well, it's actually not. So if you take money out, that lowers the death benefit in most cases on right. whole life or permanent life insurance. On that, on that note, some of the, but this goes back to the tax advantages of life insurance. So it impacts the death benefit, but it also gives you the ability because it's borrowed money, you're borrowing it against your death benefit, your cash value. Um, there are some interesting tax advantages there as well. So if you come into a pickle and you really need some cash and you have some cash value, that could be a, a place to look. Or Again, just special planning, you know, purposes that can give you access to tax-free money um, with a lot of flexibility, even if it is impacting your death benefit. So, all right, so we got a lot going on here with life insurance and different types of life insurance. So, Matt, how long does someone need to have life insurance? We've talked about permanent, right? So, we're basically talking about if we're going to get term life insurance, we've decided we don't want permanent right now. We're going back to use Natalie as the example, and she only needs term. How long does she need it for? Yeah, so this goes back to doing that death benefit needs analysis, right? Because if you always just take the 10 to 12 times your income, well, if your income grows, right, and you're 55 and you're making $250,000 a year, 
you might have substantial amount of assets, no debt, but if you're just going by the 10 to 12 times your income, you're like, well, I need $2.5 million of insurance, and you might not need, it, need any at all. So if we do the death benefit needs analysis, we might look at, okay, well, you don't have any debt. You have enough savings in your retirement, the bank account, all those things that if, it, if something did happen to you, your spouse is fine. There is no income replacement need. Then, then you may not need any income at all. So it's going to look different for different people, but typically you need insurance if you have any debt at all is a general kind of rule of thumb. If you're completely out of debt and you feel like you have a good amount of savings, now we can start having the question of maybe you are what they call quote unquote self-insured and we don't need to offload that risk to an insurance. Yeah, I've also heard it called self-funded. Again, if you've got the assets and you were to pass away without any life insurance, would your family be okay? with those assets. And so that would, like Matt said, self-funded. So things to consider, like Matt said, your age, how much debt you have, you still have kids at home, you still need to have college to pay for, you know, what are your ongoing expenses going to be? And do you have the assets to cover them? If not, then you absolutely need to have some life insurance. And then for the permanent or whole life, uh, do you have significant assets where you're going to have a huge tax burden upon your death? Um, for inheritance taxes. So that's another one. Okay. And so, one thing, let me throw this in here. Sorry to jump in is one thing some, a lot of people don't consider is if there um, is their social security situation, right? So depending on your social security, if a substantial part of your retirement income is going to be from social security and um, you're, you're relying on both spouses, social securities to be able to make it. And so you're forecasting all of that out into the future. Well, if something happens to the one of you, now half of that income that you were expecting to be there is no longer there. And so you, again, you might not have debt and you might have a little bit of assets, but if, if you're solely expecting and looking at social security, then your death benefit needs might go out further and later in life than you, than you might think. That's an excellent point, Matt. Excellent point. Thank you. Okay, I think Matt's hit on this one already, but when do I buy my life insurance? Do I wait till I get sick? Do I wait till COVID hits? When should I buy it? Yeah, the ri the greatest risk with life insurance is um, is your health and health situation changing. We have no control over it. Typically, some everyone experiences some type of health situation throughout their life. Some obviously much more substantial and serious than others, but. Um, today, today, life insurance is never going to get cheaper than you can get it today. Because even if you're, even if your health stays the exact same, say you're healthy, you're getting older, it gets more expensive as you get older. So the cheapest you'll ever be able to buy it is today. Now, there are very, very few exceptions to that if you're dealing with some health stuff, and you waited until that all cleared, and you could, you know, rating, but generally speaking, it's today. So um, there's a large amount of risk in waiting because, and I've seen it, unfortunately, firsthand, people wait and we've had the conversation. They didn't want to move forward. We touch base and they come back a year later and they say, listen, I actually found out I was diabetic and all of that came to the table. And it's like, well, you're either completely uninsurable at this point, or it's going to cost you two or three times as much as it would have if we had gotten it a year ago. So, Man, I have a personal example as well. They happen to be clients of ours. Um, that we were sitting in a lobby of a hospital and I was with the spouse while the, the other spouse was back having surgery. And I had been talking to them for at least a year about making sure they had enough life insurance. I would put it off, put it off. Well, he had lymphoma. Uh, luckily he he's been recovered. He's fine now, 
But to your point, Matt, he's probably he cannot be insured, or who would insure him? Because he's had cancer. Right. So as Matt says, if you're healthy, you're young, you won't ever get it any cheaper than you're going to find it today. Uh, and if you've had some issues, you still need to go because we're all getting older. So if life insurance is on your mind and you're like, man, we need to talk to somebody, please give us a call here at Mach 1 or someone else that provides life insurance and sit down with a professional and go through the needs analysis and see what's right for you. And if you want a second opinion, we're always happy to do that as well. All right, Matt, we, we talked about buying it young and healthy. Uh, what is laddering term life insurance? What does that mean? Yeah, this is actually, if you want to get really down, extremely specific and and, uh, only taking care of the income need replacement and no more, you can get very specific with laddering out multiple policies. Because like I said, as you you age and your, Lord willing, your income's increasing and your debt's decreasing and all the things are headed in the right direction, then your income, then your death benefit or your insurance needs are declining, right? So- we can take care of that instead of just buying one, you know, say today our death benefit needs is $2 million and we buy a 30-year $2 million policy, but in 15 years we only have a $1 million life insurance need. Well, we could buy a $2 million uh, 10-year policy today, uh, you know, $1 million 15-year policy and a 500000 and my all the math might not be right there, but you can see what I'm saying is we can ladder it out so that our, our insurance need today is taken care of. Maybe in 10 years, a portion of our insurance we have drops off, but the amount that we need at that time is still there. And so we don't, it, it can make it a little bit more affordable, but also make sure that we're fully insured throughout our you know working lives. So it sounds like, Matt, we need to sit down with a professional and figure this out and see, number one, what is our need? Right. Whole life, permanent life, or term, is it the right one? And is a laddering strategy right for the, me or whomever we've been talking to? So those things are the, to we can help with here at Mach 1. Hey, folks, a couple things we got to watch out for. When you go to buy insurance or if you have life insurance, first thing, if you have life insurance, never, ever, ever, ever drop a life insurance policy until you have a replacement in place. If you think, well, I'm going to drop this one. I've got a whole life policy and it's too expensive. I'm going to drop it. And I'm going to go see Matt and I'm going to get me some term insurance. Don't do that until you have that term insurance in place. Why is that so important, Matt? Well, like what we just talked about a minute ago with the health changes and not not knowing what the future holds from that standpoint, don't ever take the risk or or put yourself in a situation where you have an insurance gap. If you need insurance, you need to make sure you have insurance at all times, right? So even if it means you have to double pay for a month or two, right? Worst case scenario, you have to pay for two policies for that is so much more affordable than not having it for a month, something happening. And now your entire family is in jeopardy financially because you didn't want to pay an extra hundred bucks for that one month. Right. right? So never, ever drop one until you have another one already in place. If you still need insurance and be watch out for all these little add-ons. They'll do things like a return of premium or a few other things like that. If you don't need it, don't get it. It just adds to the expense of the insurance. All right, Matt, let's, let's recap this real quick. So life insurance, mainly used to replace income. And that's kind of term insurance we've talked about. And then if whole life or permanent is for legacy planning or for some other specific needs that you might have. 
So most often, term life insurance would be the best option for most people. 10 to 12 times your annual income. Uh, that way you can invest those proceeds and then what you make off of that will replace that income. Best time to buy it? Today. Like Matt said, if you're young and healthy, exactly, you won't find it any cheaper than right now. Uh, and when you do buy insurance, that doesn't mean if you buy a 30-year term, you have to pay on it 30 years. If you come into a big inheritance, you don't have need for it anymore, you can drop it. The insurance, how, insurance company, however, cannot drop you unless... You've either lied on the application or you don't pay your premium. So it binds the insurance company. It does not bind you. Any other parting thoughts there, man? No, I, I think the big big point here is just insurance is important. Nobody likes paying for it, but it's an extremely important part of a financial plan. And it's a conversation you need to have, whether it be life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability insurance. All of those things are extremely important. And um, often worth much more time than people give them. So don't be scared to sit down, schedule an hour-long conversation with an advisor, your insurance agent, and just really hash out what your insurance needs are. Great advice. Great advice. All right. Uh, we'd love to answer your questions. If you have questions about life insurance or anything to do with insurance, please send them in. We'll be happy to do those. Natalie, how do people send in, a, in questions for us to answer? They can email podcast at mock-onefinancial.com or they can go to our website and click on the podcast tab and there is a form they can fill out there. I did want to mention if you have friends that um, need some need some extra knowledge on insurance. We are having a money school topic, not this coming Tuesday, but the week after we're touching on insurance. This coming Tuesday, we're talking about uh, investing for retirement, which is also a good one. But if you haven't been following our money school series, we go live on our Facebook and YouTube page every Tuesday at 7 p.m. It's an 11 week series. So check that out. Great work, Natalie. Natalie also produces the money school for us as well. Good job as always, Natalie. Thank you for that. All right, uh, folks, we always end with a thought of the day. And today, uh, Matt liked this one, so we're going to use it. It says, first comes thought, then organization of that thought into ideas and plans, then transformation of those plans into reality. The beginning, as you'll observe, is in your imagination. And that's by Napoleon Hill. We thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. And that's it. So we appreciate you listening to the podcast. We look forward to you joining us again next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.